welcome back to the Endure It podcast. I am your host, Rachel Thomas. Welcome, 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 and thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Endure It podcast. We are already in, well, not the middle of April, but it's April 6th. This year is flying, and it's flying faster than any year has ever flown, in my opinion. So we might as well buckle up. We're cruising on into summer, and the heat is on the way, which is good because that means uh, beach days are hopefully in the near future. We ventured out to the beach not too long ago and we froze. I mean, the sun was shining, the beach was beautiful, but I'm ready for it to be a little bit warmer. Um, we celebrated a birthday last week, so we now have officially five teenagers in our house. So it's a teenager takeover officially. And yeah, please pray for Zach and I, um, <laughs> just pray for our strength. Um, I am excited to say today that we have a guest on the show, uh, my friend, her name is Julie Higgins, and she's here today and she's going to be sharing her story of endurance and I'm excited for you to hear and I know that she is going to encourage you today. So let me take this time to welcome Julie to the Endure It podcast. Julie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Rachel. I appreciate you for reaching out to me and, and having me here on your podcast. Um, I'm excited to share a little bit about my story and to hopefully encourage some others out there that are struggling through some hard times. Yes, I've actually been uh, following your blog and I'd like to go ahead and share that now. Um, Julie uh, has a blog and it is called Hidden Jewels dot wordpress.com so check out her blog but she journals her story and um, the situation that she is currently walking through and I can tell you that her blog is very very encouraging so Julie if you want to start off just by telling us um, a little bit about yourself okay well I'm, I'm just pretty normal I'm a regular stay-at-home mom uh, my world revolves around, I've got an incredible husband and four amazing children. Uh, three of them are still at home and um, they're all, they're all growing up on me. My oldest, uh, he turns 22 in a few months wow. and my youngest here with me is 14. Um, I love to work. I really love to work hard. I know that seems odd these days. But, um, <laughs> hey, I, I, just, I love to work hard too. Yeah. I thrive on the feeling of accomplishment and I, I love packing as much into a day as possible. I'm just wired that way. Uh, I'd rather work than play. So I, I really don't have that many hobbies. <laughs> um, I love the Lord. I was raised in a Christian home and we were at church every time the doors were open. So I learned all about God growing up, um, but I didn't truly understand what relationship was uh, with him was like until I was an older teenager. Mm -hmm. And um, as a young adult, I began to realize that the ways of the modern church didn't quite line up with what I was reading in scripture. And so I started really digging in deep. I wanted to know God, you know, really know God and know his ways and, and not just what man was telling me about him. Yeah. And uh, so I decided to go to Bible school and that's kind of been my focus for the past several years, just trying to figure out who this God of the Bible is and, and <laughs> how our lives uh, are supposed to line up, you know, how, how we can get them to look like 
what scripture says his people should look like. You know, how do we set captives free and how do we heal the blind and how do we raise the dead and, and bring all manner of deliverance uh, to those that need it. And so that's pretty much me in a nutshell. <laughs> Just pretty much my my kids and my husband and and my relationship with the Lord. Yes. Um, what college were you going to? Uh, Houston Baptist University. I grew up there in Texas and started there. Uh, well, now twenty one years ago, and um, had to pause, put everything on pause to raise my family. And mm-hmm. I had I returned in January of twenty nineteen to finish my degree. Wow. Yeah, I've recently started, you know, in studying the Bible and things like that, I've been using um, um, commentaries and things like that. And it's just, I'm just, I'm, I'm so hungry. I feel like I'm learning the word all over again, because before kind of like what you said, you know, you kind of do things in the motion of being raised in church and things like that. But when you really start digging and studying, you're just really in awe of learning about Jesus. It's so interesting. Yes. So I want you to talk a little bit too about um, you received a diagnosis that rocked your world. Yes. <laughs> and tell us about that experience and how you responded to that diagnosis. Okay. Um, well, I had um, been having a little bit of pain in my chest um, for a good while. I had let it go on for quite a bit of time. I just thought it was heartburn and I felt silly. I didn't want to go to the doctor for them just to tell me, you know, I had heartburn and um, we didn't have medical insurance. So I kind of looked into it uh, and it was expensive. I would have to see a a, a primary care and then get a referral to a specialist. And it was just, it was a lot of money just to hear, hey, you have heartburn. And so I put it off, but eventually that pain got um, too severe and I had to go to the ER and I was diagnosed with pancreatitis and they, saw this um, abnormality on this thing inside me called my ampulla of Vader. And I never knew what one of those was. Yeah, never heard of it. Existed. <laughs> and so um, they, they did an ERCP, they did a biopsy, um, everything came out clean. They said it wasn't cancer, but the surgeon, um, he just, he had a a feeling he just was uneasy inside and and my grandmother had passed away from pancreatic cancer and he just really wanted me to go and have a second opinion and at a larger hospital and so they sent me to Portland and no big deal you know it's pancreatitis um you know they've looked for cancer it's not cancer no worries and uh, we had that second ERCP and um same thing, no big deal. It's not cancer. Um, it's just your particular anatomy, the way my anatomy is, the bile duct is emptying right on the ampulla and it's burn, you know, it's causing irritation. And so no big deal. And um, so they took, they had put a couple stints in to help relieve some of that drainage. And they ended up taking them out then on that second ERCP and sending me home. And then about six months later, started seeing some of the same signs and started feeling that just a little bit of the burn again in my chest. And I started thinking, oh no, you know, Mm -hmm. it's back. And so we went back for a third ERCP, third biopsy. Um, This time it was a much 
bigger deal. They sent me into immediate pancreatitis. I was in severe pain and woke up screaming and screaming, screaming on the table. Oh and um, they, it was, it was rough. And <laughs> they did um, get quite a bit of tissue, a lot more than in the previous two biopsies. And um, even then, um, my surgeon came, in, my husband and I kept saying, what causes this? What causes this? And they would say cancer, but you don't have, um, you've had, you know, you've got two negative biopsies. So they just were really scratching their heads. They had run um, some tests and my tumor markers were all in the normal range. So again, everything was saying no cancer. Um, and so um, one night my surgeon, he had had a particularly long um, surgery that day and he came in late in the evening and it was COVID. So my husband wasn't allowed to be there with me. I was doing all this alone in the hospital. Oh my goodness. And we called up my husband and he said um, that we knew that either, you know, if they found cancer, I was going to have this massive surgery. And if they didn't, they just were going to take my gallbladder. So it would stop irritating the ampulla. Mm -hmm. And um, he came in and he said, it's not cancer. He said, we're just going to take your gallbladder. And I cried and my husband cried and we were so relieved and everything was great. I slept, I slept better than anybody could ever sleep in a hospital, uh, a hospital bed that night. Mm -hmm. And I woke up the next morning and um, received my breakfast, was working on school in the hospital. Just, you know, everything was great. And um, this, this little woman walked in that I, I didn't realize was actually the second surgeon and um, she just blurted out, you have cancer. And I said, Gosh. oh, not me. <laughs> I don't have cancer. Mm -hmm. And she said, yes, you do. And I said, no, you know, the, the, the big doctor, the important doctor came in <laughs> last night and, and he said, no cancer. And um, she said, no, all of the tests weren't back. You definitely have cancer. Oh, and um, we were just stunned. I don't know any other word to describe it. Um, just we were just absolutely stunned cancer was the furthest thing from any of our minds um I was 41 when I was diagnosed and um you know just my kids were just starting to get old enough to do their own thing not really wanting my attention yeah all the time and um and so I got to go back to school and I felt like I was just starting to kind of get to live my life mm -hmm. because I had started kids so young myself and um yeah. And so uh, we just, we could not wrap our brain around this, this idea that even if we had this crazy, you know, life-changing surgery, I still would likely only have one to two years to live. Wow. So it, was, it was rough. <laughs> so did she inform you of that when she, you know, appears in your room and says, oh, you do have cancer and you're saying, no, they said that I don't, you know, you've had multiple biopsies at this point you know, did, did she, did they immediately start telling you, you know, you only have one and a half to two years left? Yeah. They sent just shortly after that. Um, actually the, the hospitalist who makes the rounds came in thinking that she was going to have to give me the bad news. And she, um, was shocked that I already knew we, we never have really figured out how this the second surgeon came in and gave the news that the other doctor thought she was going to have to do that. And so she was relieved. Um, but yeah, yeah um, just immediately 
they said, we don't, we don't believe that you would live through this surgery unless we send you home. Cause at that point I had been in the hospital about a week mm-hmm. um, alone. And they said, you know, this surgery, not everybody even makes it off the table. And um, we need you to be as strong psychologically, you know, as, as emotionally strong as possible. So we want you to go home and spend a week with your family. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that was it just boom, boom. Um, immediately said school must end. You, you cannot have that degree of stress in your life, um, you know, cancel everything. And so we were just like, what happened? It's almost as if, it's almost as if a bomb goes off. Yes. You're cruising through life and everything is normal per se. And then boom, this bomb goes off and you're just left standing stunned. Like what just happened? Absolutely. That's, that's a perfect way to describe it. Everything just changed in an instant, everything, everything that was important, you know, everything that I had worked so hard for Mm -hmm. was just gone and over. Wow. So they tell you that you are needing the surgery that's extremely dangerous. And so how did you make that? How did you come to the decision of whether or not you were going to go through with the surgery? You know, Rachel, they never, they never um, even gave us the option of not having the surgery. Uh, it's looking back now, I've had so much difficulty with the surgery and, and a lot of people don't, but most people do. Um, and sometimes I really wonder like, would I even have that surgery if I knew what I knew now? Mm-hmm. Um, it's supposed to be life-saving and um And so there was never any question of, hey, you have the option to not have this surgery. It was just like, you have to have this surgery or you will die quickly. And if you don't have this surgery, then you will die soon. (laughs) You know, I mean, it was just, it wasn't an option. Um, And so, yeah, we just moved forward, fully trusting the doctors, never thinking um, for a minute, you know, that that it might not be a good idea to have the surgery. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I'm sure in that moment, you know, you're going with what the doctors are saying and Hey, this is what we do. You know, I've got to have surgery in this to save my life. Yes. Yes. Wow. So give us a summary of how your surgery went and some of the events that happened after the surgery. Um, the surgery went well, we thought the doctor, um, they went in, they, they, they basically, it's called a Whipple surgery. And what they do is they, because of the location of the ampulla, they have to take out a lot more of your insides than, than really necessary just mm-hmm. to do the relinking, like to relink things up. And so they, they change the entire plumbing structure inside. And so they took my, of course, the ampulla, the tumor, um, a part of my pancreas, part of my common bile duct. Uh, my gallbladder and my duodenum. They took all of that um, and all the surrounding, um, it's like a big rectangle. They basically cut out of you and then they hook things up in a very strange way that takes the body a while to to relearn and sometimes it doesn't relearn it. Mm -hmm. And so you have these various problems that can happen. You can wake up diabetic, that's very common. you, I did not wake up diabetic. And so we were very excited about that. That's good. But yeah. And you have these things called dumping syndrome and, um, and basically everything, it goes right through you. So there, there's, 
this rapid transit where everything's just dumped out of the stomach directly uh, in to be thrown out as waste. And so you have malabsorption that takes place. And um, they acted, they really minimized that. And so we were not expecting that. Yeah. Uh, but I have had um, severe malabsorption. I started losing weight immediately after the surgery and um, got down to 92 pounds, which was a 63 pounds of loss for me. Wow. wow. Um, that's, that's as low as I've gone so far. And, and even since then, as we, we struggle and we fight to, to try to gain weight, I mean, it's the craziest thing. I've tried to lose weight since sixth grade, you know, and then suddenly we're eating, you know, between three and 4,000 calories a day, just not to lose anything, you know, just to maintain yeah. It's just mind blowing. Um, yeah, huge, huge. And you know, my, and I'll feel guilty, like, oh my gosh, I can't eat all this. And then, and then it's like, you have to eat all this. You're, you know, they keep telling me, Julie, cancer's not the main enemy anymore. You're going to die from malabsorption, not cancer. Wow. And so that, that's something we never expected. Um, and that has been a struggle. Um, even as I've gained a little, I've put on a few pounds since then. Um, since that lowest weight, I've just, I started having trouble with my gums and my teeth. And then all of my hair has started to fall out, not doing, not doing chemo. It's all falling out because of the malabsorption. And now um, my body is creating kidney stones because of the malabsorption. So there's all these silly side problems, you know, yes. in addition to recovering from surgery and battling cancer and, and, um, you know, like I said, we chose not to do chemo, which was a huge decision, um, very overwhelming decision in and of itself. So, yeah, that would that would be a hard decision because, you know, you see sometimes just the the side effects and things from you know trying to do the chemo and it it can be really bad. So I can see how that would be a really a really hard decision to make because you just have to really weigh the pros and cons, you know? Yes. Yeah. And it's like the doctors are telling me one thing. And when I research what they're telling me is not lining up with, you know, the actual scientific data that's out there. And, um, and then just as a Christian trying to trust the Lord, like, where do you draw the line? You know, where do you stop trusting doctors and trust the Lord? And, you know, what's the balance between the two? Because God uses doctors, you know, and he uses medication to heal people as well. Yes. Yeah. I mean, even in my own illness, you know, when it first struck, I struggled between, you know, I teetered between that of following doctors and then trying to have faith and trying to trust the Lord. And, and that was a very difficult place to maneuver. Yes. I know what you're saying. Um, so the malabsorption is basically when the intestines are not absorbing the nutrients that your body needs from the food that you're eating. Right, Julie? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I'm eating a ton, but it's just not able to get what it needs from what I eat. Hmm. So what would you say is your biggest struggle um, in dealing with the reality of your illness? I, I know for me, I had a hard time when I first got diagnosed with the POTS and several other things that go with it. I know for me, my struggle was I remembered the old me really well. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I had a really hard time accepting the new me because they were so drastically different. And I, I still struggle with that to this day. Sometimes it's just a hard thing to 
navigate through. So what would you say is your biggest struggle in dealing with, with your illness? Absolutely. I agree with that so much. Um, it, you just, yeah, I, I just am so used to being going 100% nonstop and I hate to be limited. I hate, um, just, you know, for any, anybody, anything to say you can't. And so it's been difficult. It's difficult to be out of control because, you know, I've always had this mentality that if I work hard enough, I can change my circumstances. Mm -hmm. And um, that hasn't proven to be the case, you know, here, this is outside of my hands. And um, I can't, you know, I can't follow a special diet to make it right. You know, nothing, nothing works, nothing, um, nothing that we do and nothing that the doctors do is working. And so it really is just a huge um, having to trust the Lord. And, and you think you do yeah. until you realize, man, I like to be in control. Yeah. And, and I can hear your tears and I can relate to what you're saying because you you, you want to do the things that you want to do and be there for your children and, and your husband and your church family and everything. And your body says, no, your mind says yes, but your body says no. And, and like you said, wanting to move forward and you physically cannot do it. And it is hard. It's hard. It's very hard. Um, and you just, it, I just, I'm tired. We're at 10 months and, um, I don't want to be a sick person. You know, I want to go out and live life to the fullest. And, and, you know, I believe attitude has a lot to do with that, but then there are just some things that you cannot control. Yep. I agree. And there were times that I would break down and just cry. And then I would feel guilty for breaking down and crying. They did that last night. (laughs) My husband would say, Hey, you're going through a lot and it's okay. Just have a moment. Take that moment. You're a human being. And I, I think a lot of times we put a lot of the pressure on ourselves, even though it's, it's a sad scenario, it's a hard situation. Um, and like you said, we find ourselves having to fully rely on Christ. And like you said, we think we do until our world is really rocked and we are truly yeah. clinging to Christ every moment of every day. Right, right. It's very different. It's everything changes your faith changes you know in the midst of turmoil and I and I believe that he uses that to grow us you know yes absolutely and I don't know about you Julie but I had a wrestling with the question of why me did you wrestle with that at all was that an issue like did you just go through this process of you know having to put that question to death because it came up all the time why me God why why am I walking this you know I I, I don't know that I struggled specifically with that. Like I, I know that just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. Yes. Um, sometimes it is hard. Sometimes I'll look at people um, and I do, I, I get overwhelmed. It's like, okay, they're making the same decisions I made. Well, you know, why am I the one here? Um, <laughs> you know, not going to get to see my kids grow up or not get to experience grandkids, you know, these things. Um, it is hard. Sometimes I'll look and I try not to, I really try not to compare, you know, and, and do those things. I think it, it is human nature to feel that way, but I know I've always known that there is a purpose in this, like God has a story and I, I don't really understand 
yes um, why he chose me but I believe that there's a reason he chose me to go through this or to you know allow me to go through this absolutely yeah and I think the biggest comfort too for for us is that we can we can hook arms with knowing that Christ never leaves us yes and he's always with us even in these dark trials because they, it gets lonely you know oh, it's yeah. lonely <laughs> So what would you say, Julie, is um, the most important thing that you feel like you have learned through this process, this journey that you're on? Oh my gosh, it's just, it seems like there are countless lessons, like every day <laughs> is a new lesson. The Lord just shows me um, so many things, like, first of all, gratitude. Um, yeah, that's a big one. Never, never take anything for granted in life. It can be stripped away in an instant. Yep. And um uh, just, you know, spending time with the ones you love, um, work, you know, that's my big issue where I love to work. I really don't like to be torn away from work. And so, um, that can wait, you know, self can wait. Um, yeah. it's just, there's so much, you know, there's, it, there's, there's just so many more important things than, than accomplishing much and, and things get, you know, gathering up worldly things, they mean nothing. Yep. in the grand scheme um and you know the only thing that really matters is your relationship with god and with others and um and so uh, you know forgive forgive quickly uh don't hold a grudge um love love freely <laughs> um you know just stay in the word of god and humility is so important um all these things you know uh you know them you you know you know they're the right way to be but to actually walk them out <laughs> yeah walk it out pursue it you know don't let don't let things selfishness and and um you know just the desire for stuff creep up yeah. uh, is when it all comes down to it i mean it's just it means nothing and so just to spend time valuing what truly matters Yep. I completely agree. I can definitely say that, you know, treasuring each day and each moment as best you can, because like you said, we, we're not guaranteed tomorrow and it being, having a chronic illness or dealing with an illness, it really does shift your, your perspective. Yes. <laughs> your perspective. Um, can you share Julie, how the Lord has revealed himself to you through what you are currently enduring? Is there anything that stands out where you can definitely say, I, I know that was him speaking, or I know this is him. I, I can feel it. What, what is it you could share with us? You know, that that's the best part of this, this whole story. Um, it sounds pretty crazy, but when I went to Bible school, it, it actually, it really wrecked my faith. And, um, you know, I had developed this really pure childlike, passionate faith growing up. Um, and then when I went to university, the professors and, and just all of the literature, you know, even in like what you think is pretty conservative literature, it just, it pushed me to question everything, every bit of my faith. Um, and I'm not sure if all seminaries are like that, you know, but I just ended up in this, you know, situation, but I, I questioned, um, everything that I had once stood so firmly on and I even regretted it very much like what you know what have I done because I really felt like my faith um 
was a fraction of what it had been. Mm -hmm. But I think this cancer story, the Lord just said, you know what? <laughs> you know, we've stripped away everything that could be shaken, you know, from that faith that what you had been, you learned or you heard or you were taught. And, um, and now, Julie, we're going to do this. You're going to learn faith by experience. And we're going to, you know, go through this hand in hand, step by step together. And you're going to experience faith and build faith firsthand by, you know, wow. and so everything, I can't even tell you everything from the financial provision mm -hmm. is, has been astounding. Like the Lord, like the, the, one of my doctors, when she first came in and realized the diagnosis, she literally, she was crying. I, I was not crying. She was crying Aww. because of the financial devastation. She knew that this particular diagnosis and this surgery and all of the future medical um, cares would would bring she knew the severity of that and, and it was devastating and she cried <laughs> and I of course was had no I could not fathom that the, those things at that point and and um, but the Lord has literally stepped in and provided it at two different hospitals uh, 100% financial coverage for us. Um, wow. every, everything we have needed. I mean, down to, I can't afford my medication this week. Wow. He has provided that money supernaturally. Um, and this just the same thing. I mean, we've just seen miracle after miracle through this and it, to the point where I, I couldn't even say there wasn't a, you know, I couldn't even say, you know, I'm not sure. It's, it's just comical how faithful he is and how, um, how he shows up in every little detail and takes care of it for us. And um, that has just, yeah, I mean, that is priceless. Those are, those are um, things he could have never taught me in, in happiness, right. And in, in wellness and in financial prosperity, you, you don't learn those things. Right. Um, that is, that is so true. But yeah, those things have just been huge. Um, and yeah, just getting to, to, it's been, it's like Peter, you know, walking on the water, there's, there's all this wind and waves, everything's tossing you to and fro and it's, it's crazy. But as long as I keep my eyes on him, I know everything's going to be okay. He, he hasn't failed us once, you know, through these 10 months of, of um, just really dark, you know, circumstances. Wow. And uh, he's brought me through every, every single complication, um, you know, so it doesn't matter, you know, how my textbooks try to discredit God or the writers of the Bible or anything else. Yeah. I know in my heart of hearts. And that he is literally walking this through, you know, with me and, um, and, and you can't really, you know, no, no, no book can ever tell me any different um, because I know what I'm experiencing firsthand. Yeah. So he's, he's taken my head knowledge of him that really didn't go very far. And he's kind of replaced it with a heart knowledge, you know, that I am, I'm very firmly rooted in now. Yeah, that is so encouraging. And that is so beautiful, Julie, because it's like it goes from a head knowledge, you know, we can memorize scripture and all that, but 
it's when we can actually apply it to a real life circumstance that that's where we're really living by faith. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just the Israelites that he, you know, took through yeah. the desert. It's Julie. It's Julie right now, you know, in this day and time through her darkest hours, he's right there. Yes. Yes. That is so beautiful. I can remember having feelings like that when I was walking through my illness too. And you, I remember having thoughts of, oh, wow, I'm at, I am going to have to live this scripture out. I can't just claim it and speak it. I've got to live it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so much harder said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to do it. It's, it's harder done than said, I guess is what. Yes, very much so. Well, what would your words of wisdom be to those who are listening and are possibly struggling with their own trial? What would be your words of encouragement to them, Julie? You know, the, the greatest words of wisdom I could give to anybody um, would be, if you don't know the Lord, you know, the wisest thing you can possibly do in all of life is to come into relationship with him. Um, I, I lean so heavily, like it blows my mind. I don't know how people make it through chronic illness or any type of difficulty, any, any trial or tragedy without the Lord. I just, I don't, I couldn't, I would not be able to make it through without him. And, you know, he, he's my help every, every day. He's my hope. He's my joy. He's my strength. He is the source of everything. And, um, so I just, you know, I encourage those that listen to your podcast, just, you know, if you don't know the Lord, get alone with him, get on your knees, you know, submit yourself to him, recognize that you're a sinner in the midst of a holy God. We all are, you know, we all fall short in one way or another. And, um, you know, the, the unfortunate consequences of that is, is spiritual death and separation from God. Yes. Uh, but it didn't have to be that way. You know, he, he sent his own perfect son to die for us. And he took my place on that cross. Amen. And, and it just takes, you know, receiving Jesus as an innocent substitution on our behalf. And, you know, that means his blood sacrifice on the cross, his blood covers our sins and, and it makes atonement for them where we can be in right standing with God. Yes. And um, that, you know, if you don't have that, I mean, that is what all of life is about. And, um, and so I just, you know, I encourage you, um, let him take your unrighteousness and, and wrap you in his perfect righteousness and, um, and, and just become a new, uh, creature in him. And, um, whether you're facing huge struggles or whether everything seems to be going, you know, really, really well, yes. Jesus is the answer. It's the only answer. It's the only thing that matters. And um, so I just encourage you guys to pick up a Bible and search him out with everything that yeah. you are. He is real and he is, he cares. And yeah, I agree with you, Julie. I don't, I don't know how people live without him. And I could not imagine walking this life from, especially walking this trial of chronic illness without the Lord. Oh, I, I would be a mess. I, I really, I don't believe that I would last <laughs> long at all. Yep, definitely. What would you say is um, your most um, relied upon scripture? What really helped you pull through? 
Oh, goodness. When when I was first diagnosed, I spent a lot of time in, in the book of Job and my husband's like, get out of there. <laughs> That's depressing. <laughs> but it wasn't, you know, when 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 something like cancer um, just suddenly shows up in your life, it, it you kind of is like, am I being punished? You know, <laughs> is there something I've done wrong to deserve this? And reading Job, um, it's like it helped me to realize that, you know, no, it, it doesn't mean you're being disciplined or you've done something wrong because something difficult comes your way. Yes. God's ways are higher, you know, and, um, you know, I was, I already really had my heart set on obeying the Lord. Um, and you know, you, you think people think, well, oh, well, what has Julie done wrong? What, you know, what, why is she having to live out this early cancer diagnosis? But, um, it wasn't that, you know, I think the Lord, allows things because he knows what um he has a good plan for us and he knows what it'll take to get us where we need to be and in my case Rachel there are so many I was so broken before that it was like God as crazy as it sounds it's like God saying I'm going to take this cancer and I am going to crush you Mm. so I can rebuild you into something beautiful because I was a mess. I was a, a mess. And, and I'm moving into that in my blog. It's hard. It's really hard to process and deal with all this crud that I've been dragging along. But, um, but I really believe, um, you know, Job just helped me see like, hey, that God does things that don't always make sense to us. And it's not to punish us. Um, and so, so mainly Job. Um, also, I'm in the Psalms. Um, like, like we were talking about cancer changes everything man, cancer changes the way you read the Psalms, because I used to be like, oh, I don't have any enemies. Uh, You know, I I can't really relate to this. But now, you know, that word enemy equals cancer. Oh, yes. And so yeah, now I'm like, okay, David and his struggles, uh, you know, I relate to them. I love to I find great comfort in hearing how the Lord always comes through for him. And so what I'll do is I'll actually, and this is all throughout the whole Psalms, you can just take your pens and I'll substitute my own words in. And so in, in like Psalm 20, where it says, may the Lord answer you, David, in the day of trouble, mine says, may the Lord answer you, Julie, in the day of trouble. And, and in Psalm six, where it says, depart from me, all you who do evil, mine says, depart from me, cancer cells, you know. And I, I just go on reading and Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord's the refuge and the fortress of my life. Whom shall I dread? When cancer came against me to eat up my flesh, cancer stumbled and fell. Yes. Though cancer encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, even in this, I am confident. And and so that just really helps me um, apply these scriptures that I, you know, I thought weren't applicable to me because I didn't have enemies. Yeah, I have enemies and they are not, you know, flesh and blood and, but they are directly from the evil one and, and the Lord fights them for me. Yes. I, I, I spent time in Job too, just because, you know, it gives a good perspective of how, Job is trotting along and then here comes a knock on the door and everything changes, you know, and and Job even says, he does God not give and take away. Like, are we only going to worship him when it's good or are we going to worship him when it's bad? 
and yeah, that, really, that really helped me stay grounded because you, you draw strength from these stories in the scriptures that show you how to walk out a trial. They, they've paved the way before us and we can follow behind them. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. You, you, everything changes, you know, if you're facing something just really terrifying, I know for me in the beginning, it was terrifying, but thank goodness that he's given us the word that we can run to and we can find strength and we can find hope. Absolutely. Yeah. He restored at the end of Job, he restores everything to Job, you know, and, and, and that's what he is. He's a good God and he's a faithful God and he's a God of restoration. Yes. Yes, he is. Thank goodness. Well, I wanted to mention too, Julie, that I read your uh, most recent blog on the hidden jewels and, um, it was so encouraging. You said something that really stood out to me. I think I cried when I read it. It was talking about um, when you met Andrew, the yes. survivor in your story. And I encourage you guys to go and check out Julie's blog. It's hiddenjewels.wordpress.com. Um, you can follow along in her journey. Um, but I was reading about Andrew and um, you just described finding someone that you can relate to, finding that person that knows what you're walking through and just having that bond and that encouragement. That was so uplifting. Yeah, absolutely. It's just life-changing, just utterly life-changing. Um, I just cannot even explain that moment. But there is a special bond when someone has gone through those same trials. And, and, you know, my family, my husband has been amazing, mm -hmm. but he still doesn't know me in, in the way that it is bizarre as that sounds in the way that Andrew can know me or, you know, someone else walking out a similar diagnosis because he, he just can't, you know, he just can't, yeah. but uh, I think it's so important to find some support. Um, and, and that was just a, a huge blessing from the Lord. I was at rock bottom that my, I don't know if you can tell the way my blogs, cause I'm kind of behind in writing them, but I was at that point just ready to give up. I was just, I can't do this anymore. I can't fight this anymore. And Andrew was such a gift from the Lord to say, yeah, yeah, you can. There's life here. You know, don't give up just yet. Yes. yes. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I thought it was beautiful how you shared that his, his, well, I think it was maybe the movie, The Secret Garden, where you had stated that the disease was his cure or was that Andrew? I think it was. No, that's Andrew. Yeah. Andrew had, yeah, he had the re most remarkable story and he yeah. was just telling me like, my marriage was in shambles and we were, he said, you know, we were buying everything we could just buying it all up, trying to find happiness in the world and worldly things. And it wasn't, you know, until this cancer diagnosis and this walk with the Lord, this deep, dark, hard path yep. that completely restored his marriage, you know, and healed his life of all those things he was trying to fill that void with. And um, it just was amazing. I, I literally felt like I was picking my jaw up off of the floor listening to him because I, I had never seen um, cancer or anything negative in, in, a, in that light before. Like this could actually change me for the better. You know, this cancer actually, he kept saying it over and over, you know, cancer saved my life. And I just was 
at that point so low and thinking what <laughs> yeah that's definitely not something you hear every day and when no I no that, not at all i was blown away like his statement was his disease was his cure yeah yeah, yeah. beautiful and it's awesome and i love how god puts people in our path at the right moment that we need i've got several friends and i just met a new one last week and she has pots as well and we just hit it off and we you know, bounced off each other and, and shared tips. And it was just like, thank you, God, for a person that can relate exactly to what I'm going through. And that is life-giving. Absolutely life-giving. Life yes, I totally agree. Totally agree. Well, Julie, you are truly, truly an inspiration. And I want to thank you for coming on the podcast and openly sharing your journey your experience. And um, I just want to say thank you. And we will be sending you a little encouraging Endure It podcast goodie box. Oh, uh, yes. Thank, thank you. you so much, Julie. It's it, You're a breath of fresh air. And I just encourage you to keep pushing forward. We will be praying for you and believing that there's going to be an amazing comeback. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rachel. Yes. And um, I just want to mention again, Julie's blog is hiddenjewels.wordpress.com. Um, we would love to hear your story. If you'd like to share your story on the Endure It podcast, um, shoot us an email at rzt at enduritpodcast.com. Um, you can check us out on the website. And we also have some encouraging apparel out there and the proceeds go to help individuals that are um, experiencing financial setback due to health issues. So consider purchasing some of the Endure It podcast apparel. Um, please share this episode if you feel like it would be encouraging to someone else and um, spread the word about Julie's um, blog. We are in this fight together, and I'm a firm believer that if we share our stories, um, we're going to help each other get through some of the tough trials in life. So thank you guys for listening to the podcast, and I hope everybody has an amazing week. We'll talk soon.